Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. In my life, I've worked at two video stores, one that primarily just sold videotapes and the other one that rented them. They were pretty interesting jobs, and both had their challenges and sort of unique situations. The store that rented them was owned by a family, and it wasn't the most successful video store, but it got by. Of course, it didn't help when people damaged the merchandise. And if you look at the subject of today's show, you might know what I'm about to talk about, and that is the damage done to the videotape Fast Times at Ridgemont High. You might have heard of this. If you're not, you're in for a real treat. But there are scenes of nudity in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and when people would watch it, they would often pause on those scenes, which would sometimes create undue strain on those sections of the tape. If you wondered how quickly this sort of damage accumulated, I would say we had to replace the tape every two to three months. Usually it would be after somebody complained. Now Fast Times was a pretty popular tape, so it was often out. So you gotta figure maybe 60 plus people had taken it out at that point. I don't know how many of them had paused, but it must have been a significant number of them to do that amount of damage. It drove the owner of the store crazy, and she suggested that it would make more sense to just dub that scene and rent that particular tape out to the people rather than having to buy Fast Times at Ridgemont High and have people ruin it again and again and again. And I gotta say, it probably would have been more cost effective. I'm not saying that everyone who rented the tape rented it to look at those scenes, because that's not the only reason to watch the film. It is a very funny coming-of-age teen comedy that has good acting, it is well-directed, and it has a story that has some heart. So on today's show, I'm going to talk about the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High. We'll talk about the plot, the people in front of and behind the camera, the attempt at a television show, the soundtrack, and much more. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. Fast Times at Ridgemont High is a 1982 film written by Cameron Crowe, and it was adapted from a 1981 book of the same name. A little bit about Cameron Crowe. Crowe was a young-looking fellow and worked at the Rolling Stone magazine offices in California. When they decided to move their offices from the West Coast to New York City, he decided he did not want to, and 
wanted to try something different from what he had done, which was write about music. And if you've seen the film Almost Famous, I believe that film is semi-autobiographical about Crow himself. When Crow was 22, he had this idea to go undercover at a high school and to write about his experience. So he got a contract to write the book, and he enrolled as Dave Cameron at Claremont High School in San Diego, California. And since he had been somewhat of a child prodigy and skipped years in school, he basically lived a high school life that he never got to. He made friends, tried to fit in, and wrote all this down. His book would be called Fast Times at Ridgemont High, A True Story, and it came out in 1981. And instead of focusing on himself, he focused on six people that he met in the course of writing this book. And if you read the book, you will note that the characters in his book are the main characters in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, the movie. Before the book was even released, there was a lot of good buzz, and it was optioned for a film almost immediately. But who would direct this film? That honor fell to Amy Heckerling. Heckerling is a film director who is probably best known for films like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Clueless, and, of course, European Vacation. Heckerling was not the first choice for the movie, though. It was originally offered to David Lynch, who turned it down saying, it's funny, but not really his thing. I've heard David Lynch being offered lots of different movies, and you just can't help but think if David Lynch had directed a Star Wars film, or if David Lynch had directed Fast Times at Ridgemont High, it probably would be a very different film. Production of the film began in late 1981 and was filmed in the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles, although that's not really ever mentioned in the film. Most of the exterior shots that revolve around the high school were shot at Van Nuys High School and Canoga Park High School. The famous football game in the movie was filmed at James Monroe High School in Sepulveda, California. Besides the school, the probably most important place in the movie was the mall, or the Ridgemont Mall, which was actually the Sherman Oaks Galleria for its interior shots, and its exterior shots were shot at Santa Monica Place. The Sherman Oaks Galleria was damaged by an earthquake in 1994 and stood there in that current condition until 1998. Then it was renovated and redesigned, so virtually nothing from what you would see in Fast Times exists there today. Today's show is brought to you by your local pizza parlor. Lonely? Can't get a date on Friday night? Pizza's your friend. We're having a pizza party with lots of pizza hot and hearty. Won't you join the party too? You'll find your favorite beverage there. Now let's see. Well, I declare. The only party missing is you. Love that pizza. So a little bit about the plot of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It's kind of a sprawling film with no real core to it, and yet somehow the stories of these different characters really work, 
and come together. You have a sister and brother, the Hamiltons, Brad and Stacy. Brad is a popular senior who seemingly has it all and then it falls apart. His sister Stacy and her friend Linda are sort of maturing as women and trying to decide what that means. Mark Ratner and Mike Damone are friends. Ratner's sort of a nerdy guy who really likes Stacy. Mike Damone is a fast talker who likes to scalp tickets and thinks he's pretty much a ladies' man. Things go wrong between Damone and Ratner when Damone and Stacy get intimate with one another, which leads to some real drama in the film. Meanwhile, sort of as comic relief, you have Jeff Spicoli, a stoner, surfer. Him and his buddies are just coasting through life until he meets Mr. Hand, a history teacher who does not take any of Spicoli's guff. What's going to happen to all these kids? Will Spicoli flunk out? Will Ratner and Stacy get together? You just have to watch the film and find out. The cast of this film is very talented. First off, you have Jennifer Jason Lee as Stacy Hamilton. Lee was born in 1962. She's appeared in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Single White Female, Shortcuts, and The Hudsucker Proxy. A couple of people who were up for the role of Stacy include Meg Tilly, Diane Lane, Jodie Foster, Brooke Shields, Ellen Barkin, and Ali Sheedy. Judge Reinhold played her brother, Brad Hamilton. Reinhold was born in 57, has appeared in Ruthless People, Fast Times, Beverly Hills Cop, and the Santa Claus trilogy. He almost didn't get the role. A whole bunch of people came up for it. Sean Penn actually auditioned originally for that role, as did Nicolas Cage and Tom Hanks. Sean Penn would not get the role of Brad, but he was very well suited to play Jeff Spicoli. Sean Penn was born in 1960, an award-winning actor for films like Milk. He was not originally going to play the role. It was originally offered to Matthew Broderick, who at the time was going through some family issues and turned down a bunch of roles, including the lead role in the TV show Family Ties. He would eventually, of course, go on to play another famous high school slacker, Ferris Bueller. But you can only imagine how different the movie would have been with Matthew Broderick in the role. In addition to Broderick, Eric Stoltz and Anthony Edwards, both of whom would play Spicoli's buddies in the film, would try out for the role of Spicoli. Brian Backer played Mark Rat Ratner, born in 56. He's probably best known for his role in Fast Times, but he was also in the 1985 comedy Moving Violations, as well as Police Academy 4. Robert Romanus played Mike Damone. Romanus would play Damone in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He also played Natalie Green's boyfriend Snake on The Facts of Life. Phoebe Cates, the subject of many a paused tape, played Linda Barrett. Phoebe Cates Klein was born in 1963. Big movies for her include Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Gremlins. Justine Bateman, who would go on to play Mallory on Family Ties, was offered the role of Linda, but she turned it down and instead would go on to do Family Ties. Others who were up for the role include Tatum O'Neill and Melanie Griffith. Forrest Whitaker played Charles Jefferson, the football star, born in 61. Whitaker is a Academy Award winner, been in movies like The Butler, Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai, and many, many more. Ray Walston played Mr. Hand. We'll hear a little bit about Mr. Walston in a couple of minutes from Vic Sage. Vince Schiavelli played Mr. Vargas. Just a small role, but he's such a great actor. Big guy. Had these very sad eyes. Probably best known for his work in movies like Amadeus, Better Off Dead, and The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Rounding out the cast, which was big, you had... Eric Stoltz, Anthony Edwards, Nicolas Cage, Pamela Springsteen, and many, many more. Now a little bit more about one of the very talented people in this film is Vic Sage with Why Should I Know This Person? 
Hi friends, Vic Sage here with Why Should I Know This Person? And this week we're going to be shining the spotlight on Fast Times at Ridgemont High co-star Ray Walston. Herman Raymond Walston was born in New Orleans, Louisiana on December 2nd, 1914. He was apparently bit with the acting bug at an early age as he took on the part of a spear carrier in many of the New Orleans theaters. For what it's worth, a spear carrier is a nickname for a minor acting role, usually one consigned to being in the background of a production. He also found himself in traveling shows, as well as working at a movie theater where he not only sold tickets, but was charged with cleaning up the stage floors. In 1938, his family moved to Dallas, Texas, and it was there he joined Repertory Theater Company under Margot Jones. Jones's claim to fame is for being a very influential theater director and producer, and launching the American Regional Theater Movement, as well as bringing the theater in the round to Dallas, Texas. Ray would eventually move to Cleveland, Ohio, and go on to more acclaim with his time at the Cleveland Playhouse, before moving on three years later to New York City, where in 1945 he made his Broadway debut in a production of Hamlet. And it was three years after his arrival that Walston earned the honor of being one of the first members to be inducted into the Actors Studio. Walston had a very successful career in Broadway, with lauded performances in such productions as King Richard III, Damn Yankees, South Pacific, Summer and Smoke, as well as Wish You Were Here. He would appear in both film versions of Damn Yankees and South Pacific in 1958. Walston got his first TV break in a 1949 episode of Suspense, entitled Dr. Violet. It would go on to return to the series in different roles four more times. He would continue to do TV and movie work with appearances in The Outlaws, Way Out, Ben Casey, and Convicts 4, where he would co-star with Vincent Price, Stuart Whitman, Sammy Davis Jr., and Rod Steiger. In 1963, he would land the role he is probably best known for as Uncle Martin in the classic sci-fi comedy My Favorite Martian. He would co-star with Bill Bixby for 107 episodes from 1963 until 1966. It was a role that Walston wasn't exactly proud of or happy with in terms of his career, as he told USA Today in 1995, where he said, I never should have done My Favorite Martian. I didn't work in TV or film for three years after. Everyone thought of me as a Martian. Do you know what it's like to go to Madrid, Spain on vacation and have a guy yell out, Hey, Martin, and put antennas behind his head? When that happens, you know your career is dead. Now, Ray stated he didn't work for three years after that, but his IMDb page says he had roles in the Wild Wild West, Custer, and the Dirty Dozen-inspired Garrison's Gorillas. In 1969, he portrayed Mad Jack Duncan in Paint Your Wagon, before appearing in the likes of The Mod Squad, Ironhide, Mission Impossible, and The Sting in 1973 as J.J. Singleton. In 1976, Walston would find himself co-starring with Patrick McGowan, Richard Pryor, Jill Clayburgh, and Gene Wilder in Silver Streak. Then it was back to TV appearances in some of the most popular shows of those times. Starsky and Hutch, The Six Million Dollar Man, The Incredible Hulk, Little House on the Prairie, and Buck Rogers in the 25th century. In 1980, he was cast as Poop Deck Pappy in Robert Altman's oft-overlooked Popeye with Robin Williams and Shelley Duvall. He was core in Roger Corman's 1981 cult classic, Galaxy of Terror, and appeared alongside Gary Coleman the next year in the TV movie The Kid with a Broken Halo, before appearing as a guest star in Heart to Heart and Fame, before portraying his second most well-known role as Mr. Han in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, a role he would reprise in the 1986 TV series. He would appear with Phoebe Cates once again the very next year with Private School, as well as The Jerk 2, Fantasy Island, Gimme a Break, Night Court, The Love Boat, Trapper John M.D., and Johnny Dangerously. 
Wallstrom would continue to appear in popular TV shows and various TV movies throughout the rest of his career. Highlights include the adaptation of Stephen King's The Stand, Picket Fences, Star Trek The Next Generation, and Star Trek Voyager, Ally McBeal, and Seventh Heaven. This has been Vic Sage with Why Should I Know This Person? Signing off until next time. Thanks, Vic. The soundtrack to Fast Times at Ridgemont High is a classic and would peak at number 54 on the Billboard album charts. Several of the songs included in the film were released as singles. Many of them would chart. The soundtrack would have music by people like Jackson Brown, Joe Walsh, Don Henley, The Ravens, The Go-Go's, Don Felder, Billy Squire, Sammy Hagar, Stevie Nicks, Oingo Boingo, and that doesn't even count music that's in the film, including music by Led Zeppelin, which was not a common thing to happen back then, and probably only happened because Cameron Crowe, the writer of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, had a good relationship with a lot of these musicians from his time at Rolling Stone. On August 13, 1982, Fast Times at Ridgemont High opened in just about 500 theaters for its opening weekend, and it would gross $2.5 million dollars. That was pretty good, and its release was widened to 713 theaters. The film would go on to earn $27 million, which is six times its $4.5 million budget. And that money would pour in even more as it was released on home video and television. Reading through a lot of reviews of the time, it wasn't all that well received. Notably, reviewer Roger Ebert praised the cast of the film, but did not like the movie itself. It had some pretty stiff competition when it was released. Movies that were out at the time include E.T. the Extraterrestrial, An Officer and a Gentleman, Friday the 13th Part 3, The Beastmaster, the reissue of Star Wars, Rocky 3, Poltergeist, The World According to Garp, and Night Shift. So a very crowded field, but pretty much the only movie of its type out at the time. In 1986, they attempted to capture the magic of Fast Times at Ridgemont High on the small screen. CBS produced a very short-lived television show based on the movie called Simply Fast Times. Two people would return for the film, namely Ray Walston as Mr. Hand and Vincent Schiavelli as Vargas. People included in the TV show include Courtney Thorne-Smith, who played Stacy, Wally Ward as Mark, Claudia Wells as Linda, Patrick Dempsey as Mike Damone, Dean Cameron as Jeff Spicoli, and James Nardini as Brad. It's not a horrible TV show, kind of forgettable, has some real fun slang and teen mannerisms from the 80s in it, it's worth watching for that. Moon Zappa, who was the daughter of Frank Zappa, was hired as a technical consultant. You might know them together from their song Valley Girl. If you don't want to watch an episode, I do suggest you check out the theme song. It was written by Danny Elfman of movie fame and of course of Oingo Boingo. Fast Times at Ridgemont High does feel very 80s, so I guess you could argue that it is sort of dated, but it is a timeless tale of teen angst and confusion, and it shows kids trying to grow up maybe a little too quickly. It also has a lot of heart because it shows that some teachers, like Mr. Hand, are willing to go above and beyond for a student who maybe other people might forget about. And for those reasons and many others, I find Fast Times at Richmond High to be very endearing and a movie I watch every year. I think once you watch it, you'll agree it's a great film. Of course, now that we live in an age where VHS is no longer the dominant media, you can get the film in DVD or in digital media, and you can pause all you want.
Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks to Vic Sage for another great Why Should I Know This Person. If you have feedback for Vic, you can email him at vicsage at retroist.com. Vic Sage also has his own podcast, which you can find at the Retroist called Saturday Frights. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. Ratner takes her to this German restaurant, and he forgets his wallet, and I forget what I was talking about. What are they talking about? This has been a Retroist production. Goodbye.